Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I'm bringing back Krista King onto the show. She is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, integrative and functional certified nutrition practitioner, and holistic health expert. So Krista was on the um, show, I believe episode 215, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can hear more about um, you know, her bio and a little bit more about her background. Um, but I'm super excited to have you back on, Krista. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. So one of the topics that has been coming up um, you know, this past year is a lot about um, stress. So I want to know, um, you know, just kind of your take on how does stress affect our hormones? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to differentiate how we often think of stress as, you know, these mental, emotional things going on. And that's absolutely true. But those are stressors. Those are things that cause stress. And stress is actually this physiological thing that happens inside of our body. And so it's really the stress response is a response to the stressors. And these stressors can be mental, emotional, things going on in our world, in our life. They can also be internal as well. So I can touch on that a little bit, but things like gut issues or inflammation. So it's this combination of these external and internal stressors. And when we think about what is happening when our body is responding to a stress kind of in the moment, it's our cortisol response or our stress hormone. And this is released from our adrenal glands, which are these teeny tiny glands that sit on top of our kidneys, like little hats. And their job is really to manage our stress response. And so it pumps out cortisol. And what happens is our blood sugar rises, our blood pressure rises, our breathing rate increases. And all of these things happen in the moment because our body thinks it's preparing to literally need to fight something or run away from something. So that's where that physiological response comes in. And our digestion and reproduction take a back seat because in the moment while dealing with stress, the body is like, okay, I don't need to really focus on that right now. I need to focus on the stress at hand. So that's kind of in the moment. And if we don't have the chance to kind of calm down from that stress response, and we're in this state of chronic stress, then we're kind of keeping the foot on the gas of this process. So over time, it can really affect our sex hormones, our reproductive hormones, our gut health. And so it can start showing up in the body as energy crashes, indigestion, fatigue, having a hard time recovering from our exercise, our movement, sleep issues, food cravings, and menstrual issues, so period problems. Oh, I love that. I mean, so we just kind of, we're just going right into it today and I love this. So I want to dive into inflammation first. So mm-hmm. what does that kind of look like with stress? Yeah. Yeah. So inflammation, it can be acute meaning kind of related to something like an injury or an illness or chronic. And so stress can kind of contribute to this chronic inflammation that occurs. And that can show up as things like muscle or joint pain, gut issues, and even things like, um, like skin issues or irritation or, or things like that. Um, oftentimes I'll have clients say that they just feel inflamed, you know, it can almost be tied to this feeling. And so stress can absolutely contribute to inflammation going on in the body. 
Hmm. That's funny that you'd even said the the skin. Cause I was having skin stuff like the last couple of weeks. I'm like, I don't know why I'm having this. I thought it was the detergent, but I'm like, huh, probably yeah. was stress. Like I was feeling stressed, you know, I didn't notice it, but you know, maybe you can talk about that too. Cause I think a lot of us might be in this boat where mm-hmm. it's just this underlying stress going on with our lives, you know, just with this yeah. whole, I mean the whole entire year and you know, who knows why, like all of a sudden that week it decided to show up as skin issues when mm-hmm. maybe in previous weeks, it could be something else. Um, yeah. have you been seeing this in your practice? Oh, absolutely. I've been seeing a lot of menstrual issues, gut issues, uh, skin issues. I always think of what's going on in the gut when, uh, when skin issues are popping up things more like, you know, skin irritation or rashes or things, but even acne, um, tied to our gut health and hormones. So yes, absolutely. I've been, I've been seeing this a lot. And I think, you know, in the beginning of this year, we kind of viewed it as something like, okay, we're kind of, you know, we're going to deal with this. We're, kind of, you know, that putting the foot on the brake of the stress response. And, you know, we, we thought that there would be this end point, Mm -hmm. but when we're in this state of more chronic stress, we can't really, you know, know, have any knowledge of when will something end or go back to normal, then we have a hard time wrapping our our brains around that. And we just kind of get in this chronic state of, you know, our body is constantly dealing with this stress and over time that, you know, we initially have our foot on the gas and we're dealing with the stress, but over time our, our bodies get tired. And so we can kind of shift over into producing less cortisol. We can experience more of the fatigue, more of the low energy, more of, you know, maybe feeling more depressed or mood issues, as opposed to in the beginning, we're kind of like that initial cortisol spike is kind of keeping us going. It can almost mask that we actually are feeling stressed, kind of like what you just mentioned. Like, I didn't even know I was feeling kind of stressed. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Cause I think a lot of us in the beginning, you know, are kind of like, all right, you know, by summer, this will be done. Okay. By fall. And then now mm-hmm. we're just kind of like, who knows? And, um, that would make sense. You know, why all of a sudden, cause I'm seeing kind of an influx in clients as well, just because they're like, okay, I don't know when I'm going to get back to a gym. Um, yeah. like this is just, this is going to have to adjust. Like I have to adjust. Um, do you have any tips for people to kind of maybe help their stress? You know, when it's this kind of chronic ongoing thing, are there mm-hmm. any ideas or suggestions that you have for people to kind of help relieve some of this stress? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, like I was mentioning, it's hard to know when this after that we're hoping for is coming. So it's really a lot of, you know, leaning into the uncertainty. And if any of us have been through something, you know, in our past or difficult life experience, we we know that there is an after, but sometimes it's hard to see it. And we're really just in the middle of things right now. And there is a quote that I forget who said it, maybe one of maybe has been one of my past teachers, but it's about showing up during the during and we're in the during right now. We're in the middle of things. And so I think in the beginning, it was a lot of like home workouts and recipes and doing all the things, but I feel like doing all the things is kind of this energy that we've brought to everything so far. And I feel like we're being called to almost do less and just focus on maybe one or two things that are helpful for managing our stress. So I really talk to my clients a lot about building your own personal stress toolbox, but not having it feel overwhelming. And so 
what are some things I've been really focusing a lot myself on how am I starting my day and how am I ending my day? So it's not totally realistic to, you know, not everybody is, you know, only just working at home right now, you know, other people have a lot more demands. So it's not saying, you know, doing less or, you know, it's just what, where can we find time for ourselves in the day and really focusing on how am I starting my day? How am I ending my day? It's really helpful. Mm, yeah. I love that. And yeah, because there is so many, like my husband's still going and seeing clients in person. I am not, you know, whereas other people have jobs they have to, you know, like if you work at a grocery store and then you have other people who are working at home, there's so many different distress variables and factors going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how, the only thing, you know, you can really control is that starting, ending your day. How do you want that to look like? And um, how can you set yourself up for success? Yeah. So one of the things that you had talked about or touched on, um, with stress and the hormones. Um, and one thing that I want to kind of touch on is the menstrual cycle. You know, what does that look like for menstrual cycle? I know for myself, um, I, my menstrual cycle got shorter. I usually was consistently 28 days and then it shortened to 25 and, you know, Ayurvedically speaking, that's like your Vata imbalance, which makes perfect sense. So I would love to know kind of what's going on hormonally with maybe people's cycles being just shifted or a little off. Yeah, absolutely. And it can show up differently just depending on, you know, what was going on with your hormones before and lifestyle routines, things like that. But the most common things I've been seeing are increase in period symptoms. So more severe pain or cramps or headaches, um, mood swings, anxiety, just kind of more intensified, uh, more irregularity with the cycle. So it's just not showing up or cycle length. Um, kind of like you, you mentioned, it's kind of a bit off from what your normal is and just straight up missing periods in general. So stress can impact ovulation like I was talking about with the stress response, kind of putting the reproductive hormones on the back burner. And so that's because the body doesn't deem that it's a safe place, you know, for a pregnancy right now. So if our period is really irregular, really missing, um, that can be, you know, related to the stress that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, when you're talking about like kind of that, the menstrual cycle, you know, with the stress hormones, one thing that I wanted to kind of add in there, cause I've seen an influx of this and myself also early on did this was drinking more alcohol or myself wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love for you to touch base on how that kind of affects, you know, your menstrual cycle, your hormones, gut health, all of the things. Cause that's something that I'm hearing more is a lot of people being like, okay, yep. I've totally went maybe a little bit too much with the alcohol. How can I kind of find that balance again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with alcohol, you know, it's a tool that we have learned to, you know, manage our emotions or use in time of stress. And that's really how it's marketed to us, especially women, especially moms, you know, like, it's just, um, you know, we need this to manage our stress and alcohol is such a big part of my story, because it was, you know, exactly that I used it as a tool to manage difficult things until it just got to a point where I'm like, this is not working for me anymore. And on the outside, everything seemed fine. And when I'm talking about this, this for me was uh, three years ago when I was really starting to explore my relationship with alcohol and realizing this is just not working for me, but I'm seeing it a lot with clients now too, either, you know, using it more um, or really getting to a point of reevaluating their relationship to it and really questioning 
what am I using this for? What do I want this relationship to look like? And the thing with alcohol is that because it acts on our feel good mood chemicals, our dopamine and our reward center, which keeps us coming back for more, our GABA and serotonin, which make us feel good and relax in the moment, that because our liver has to metabolize our alcohol, and that's a really nutrient intensive process, also our hormones are metabolized in the liver. And our body will prioritize metabolizing alcohol over things like, you know, managing our hormones or digesting our food because it views it as a toxin. It has to detoxify and remove it from the body. And so thinking about our liver health and our nutrients. And so, you know, do we want to be using our nutrient stores to be metabolizing our alcohol or, you know, for other things in the body, like supporting our gut health and our hormone production. And so it is something that, you know, for some people, it can be like, you, you can just hear that and say, okay, I'm gonna, you know, reevaluate that and good to go. For me, it took a bit of time really untangling, you know, what am I using this for and how, and you know, what is underneath all of that. So working with a therapist can be really helpful too, especially, um, you know, during this time, um, somebody who um, specializes in substances and alcohol, if you know that you feel called to that can be helpful as well. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love that you shared that. And, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it is that like, you knowing what's going on and I, all of us know, typically you're not feeling like your best self the next day after you've had, mm-hmm. you know, a few glasses of something, and then you just wake up feeling a little groggy. And then you start your day, probably not doing that best morning routine and yeah. that evening routine. Again, not ideal sleep usually gets disrupted and, you know, sleep obviously affects our hormones as well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's that whole just cycle and pattern that you can get into, which then you know, with that stress, you know, being that underlying factor, it all just kind of is just this kind of, um, what do I want to say? Kind of everything coming together, this catalyst of yeah. the volcano erupting, like mm-hmm. boom, there's all the stress, the hormones are just erupting. Um, yeah. so can you chat a little bit more about like what maybe you've seen, you know, maybe this year, um, in regards to menstrual health and women's health, um, that you haven't maybe seen in years past or an influx of something just so maybe women can be like, okay, this should be on my radar. Um, that they might not even know, like for me, that rash, I'm like, I didn't even Mm -hmm. think, you know, that could be stress, you know, little things like that. Yeah. I think it's really just, um, you know, checking in with your cycle. I feel like the thing that I've been hearing more is, you know, now that I do have a bit more time, or even if you don't have more time, you're spending more time with yourself and being able to notice symptoms that maybe you hadn't even considered as abnormal. So I always say that a painful period or super symptomatic period is not normal. Those are symptoms or signs from your body that something is out of balance. And so things like really severe cramps or mood swings or fatigue or that acne that pops up mid-cycle or right before your period, um, headaches, uh, migraines, um, and really the irregular or if your period is completely missing, um, that that would be something to look into. And when I say irregular, what we want for a normal period is anywhere between about 24 to 35 days and having that be consistent, give or take you know, a day or or a few days. Um, 
irregular, meaning it's not showing up for more than 35 days, or it's kind of jumping from maybe 26 days, 32 days, 42 days, you know, kind of a bit sporadic. So starting to check in with that and those symptoms can be helpful. Mm, yes. Yeah. And, and realizing some of that, like the breast tenderness or like the PMS symptoms, all those things that we can be seen as normal, like they don't have to happen. So I love that you brought that up. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to kind of chat about was, you know, kind of what are some stress management, um, techniques that maybe could help with hormones in particular around your menstrual cycle. So is there Mm -hmm. anything like different phases, you know, maybe check in and do less during a certain phase. Do you Mm -hmm. have any tips for that? Yeah, absolutely. And so, Uh, especially before our period, that's when we typically experience a lot of those symptoms that we were talking about. And so what happens is after ovulation, our hormones are at the highest, they peak, but then they start to decrease if we're not pregnant that cycle. And so either the drop in hormones, and if you're having kind of like a quick sudden drop, which can really just depend on the person, or if your estrogen and progesterone aren't quite in balance, or you're experiencing some gut issues or inflammation, you can, you know, experience worse symptoms. But um, so, yeah, really shifting to more restorative movement or strength training or yoga or Pilates, um, especially during that time, and not really forcing yourself to do super high intensity exercise, you know, on or around your cycle can be helpful. I also really like to encourage meditation or some sort of breathing exercises because uh, when I mentioned that part of that stress response is that shallow breathing, Mm -hmm. that is so that our cells have oxygen, you know, so our body's gearing up to fight something. (laughs) It's our breath that really um, helps us switch back to that parasympathetic state. So it's the sympathetic state when we're stressed it's parasympathetic, which is more of our rest and digest versus our fight or flight. And the breath is the connection between the two. And I like to say that we can't have our foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. And the breath is the connection back to that calm state. So I know it can sometimes sound like almost like an eye roll or like, okay, just breathe. What does that mean? But really taking some deep breaths and just starting, you know, counting to four, holding for four, breathing out for four, holding repeating that, you can really notice a shift really quickly. Mm. Yeah. And that's, um, that was one that I've studied pre postpartum, you know, wellness is one of my specialties for training and breath work was the first thing in all of the courses that I've taken, they talk about, and it's stuff that we, you know, we think we know, but a lot of us, like for myself, I'm like, Oh, inhale, everything is the diaphragm is, you know, going lower and expanding. Yes. And I was like, huh, I've been breathing backwards for years. Yes. I didn't realize this. And it's just these little tips. So you're like, wow. So, you know, uh, myself, like when I do those breathing practices, um, I try to always focus on, okay, am I lengthening my diaphragm on that inhale and then contracting on that exhale? Um, and it just goes a long way. Cause I've stu- you know, I've, you know, for years, constipation was always an issue for me. And I'm like, huh, I've been breathing backwards. I always was someone who would like suck in their stomach, you know, which yeah. not great for that either. Um, and so all of these little things that I'm like, huh, I wish someone would have just told us, you know, when we were younger, like, Hey, these are right. you know, basic things. Yeah. So I, I like that you shared that with the breathing. Cause it is, it's something basic, but 
taking the time to do it and switching into that parasympathetic mode. Yes. Um, so one of the things with, um, gut health that you've talked about, I don't think we went into in depth with it yet today, but can you talk about gut health? What does a healthy gut look like? Cause I think, you know, people might hear that, but, um, you know, what does it actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. So really it's pretty simple. We want to be having a regular bowel movement daily. So if we're not having a bowel movement daily, then you would be experiencing constipation. So anywhere from one to three times a day and, you know, without straining, without it being super loose stools and really without symptoms. And what I mean by symptoms are the common ones would be indigestion, abdominal pain, cramping, bloating, constipation, diarrhea. Um, and I, I've had clients who are experiencing really severe gut issues and they're filling out my digestive questionnaire, part of my intake forms and, you know, marking off all these symptoms. And they're like, oh, I didn't even realize I had gut issues. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like you just marked off like everything. <laughs> so I think it's kind of knowing that those things like severe or painful bloating or irregular bowel movements, those are things to check in with your gut health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done that too with some of the, I went to an acupuncturist and I was like, oh, clearly we'll still keep working on my digestion. You know, it's been my yeah. mission since I found out you're supposed to have a bowel movement once a day, um, yeah. you know, when I was 16 and I was like, oh, once a week, yes. I'm not, not going to cut it. Got it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, and it can take years. Like I will just tell people if they're like, oh, this is going to get fixed right away. Like I've been working on this, you know, for a couple of years and I now, you know, probably five years into studying Ayurveda and consistently having bowel movements again, but it was like 20 years of just being off, you know? So if if it's a long time, like these aren't always quick fixes. Um, How do you kind of help people stay motivated when, you know, it's not a quick fix, you know, these things might take time. How do you keep people Mm -hmm. motivated to keep, to keep going? Yeah. Well, I gut issues are a part of my story too. And I'm still, you know, working on them myself. And it's so, you know, really sharing parts of my story. And, you know, if we think about how long did it take for these symptoms to show up, because they don't show up overnight, it's often a combination of all of these things that have gone on in our past, or, you know, like you shared, you know, when I was 16, and like now, and um, so it these things don't happen overnight. So healing isn't going to happen overnight. But we can really see a great improvement on the major symptoms that you're experiencing, you know, those things that, you know, you're coming in the door with, you know, whether that's bloating or pain or, you know, whatever you're experiencing. Um, And also, too, it's I I think we can with anything health related, we can get really in this on or off mindset. And when it comes to these holistic health practices or things that we're doing, it can get really I've, I've seen this a lot and have kind of fallen victim to it myself a bit of feeling like, okay, I'm either going to be fixed or, you know, not fixed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, or what do I need to do to fix my health? And I think that's just so aligned still with this like really masculine energy that we can bring to things. Um, and so really leaning into the process and the journey and knowing that you are doing all the things you don't need to do more of the things. Um, I think we can get a little impatient with our healing sometimes, but that's not really quite the energy we want to bring to healing our bodies or other things that we've, we're maybe working on as well. Yeah. And the quick fix. I mean, I think we're just programmed to it now in our society of here's the pill you'll get better. 
Um, but then really like, I've talked to my brother about that, like healing his heartburn. I was like, you know, that's taking a pill is not actually healing anything. Right. Um, you know, you have to get to the root cause of this and, mm-hmm. um, it's hard, you know, it takes work and it has to be in the right mindset to do it, you know, cause it's, yeah. it is, it's going to be a shift in the lifestyle change. Um, and one of the things that I want to, you know, kind of wrap things up with, cause we haven't talked a ton about nutrition, but I do want to add in, um, just anything that you have with nutrition wise, especially right now. Um, you know, with people at home, you might find stress eating happening more, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are just kind of at home, you know, more so than they used to be and snacks are there. So I know people mm-hmm. that I have talked to, they're like, how can I kind of maybe get a healthier snack or what are some other better options for me to do versus, you know, dipping into like my kids crackers? Yeah. Well, when it comes to managing stress or stress hormones and just the foundation for, healthy periods, healthy hormones, we really want to focus on blood sugar balance. So it's okay for eating some snacks throughout the day. But really, what we want to focus on is just really keeping it simple. um, When it comes to blood sugar balance and saying, am I eating consistently throughout the day? So not having big long gaps between uh, meals or when we've eaten something last. And so that it'll depend on the person, but I like to say every three to five hours, and it'll vary just depending on, you know, how do you manage your blood sugar? How often do you, you know, feel hungry after a meal? And then are you building your meals with enough protein and healthy fat to help keep blood sugar balanced? So we want to include a carbohydrate, a protein and a fat at meals and snacks. And when it comes to the stress eating, uh, I find that happens oftentimes, not for everybody, but oftentimes in the evening or later part of the day. And so we can really help that by balancing our blood sugar throughout the day. So often that can happen if we're not eating enough or not including that protein and fat to balance out our carbohydrates earlier in the day. And so then we're experiencing this blood sugar drop, or maybe, you know, we're kind of like plowing through the day and then we finally have a chance to, you know, sit down and relax and then, but we're so hungry and we can kind of just grab whatever. Um, That's part of it. That's kind of like the physical health part. And then the other part too, is kind of like what we were talking about with alcohol. So for some people, maybe alcohol is not the thing of choice to, you know, manage stress or emotions, um, but rather food using it for comfort or control. So with either of those, it's getting curious about, you know, what do I need right now in the moment when it comes to food? Is it a snack? Am I hungry? Like, and it's okay to eat if, if we're not hungry, you know, we don't always have to eat for that purpose. But if it's something that we're noticing kind of coming up a lot, usually there's some sort of emotion or feeling or some unmet need that we're using the food to help manage. And so this is really where that mind body connection and, you know, I've mentioned it, but, you know, working with a therapist or a counselor um, on that to really help uncover, I, I feel like a lot of, you know, what's going on right now can bring up, you know, old stuff, old traumas, and we turn to the thing that we have learned works for us to deal with all of that stuff, whether it's alcohol, food, disconnecting, uh, working too much. I know, you know, kind of in the summertime, that was something I was doing. I'm like, okay, I'm not drinking, but I'm going to just work to, you know, 12 hours. And I'm like, okay, that's not healthy either. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah. And that's one that I found for myself. Um, like I'm doing an Ayurvedic cleanse right now. And I was like, wow, day one realization, how much I just randomly snacked throughout the day and didn't even like mm-hmm. notice or realize it, which, you know, doesn't help with digestion. Um, and I, and I've also got rid of coffee and boy, oh boy, did I have a headache for a good yeah. three or four days getting rid of it. Today's the first day I actually don't have a headache. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that was the coffee finally working its way through the system. So, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about that before we wrap as well? Just cause I think there are many coffee drinkers and mm-hmm. I guess I didn't realize how much I was always like, no, nah, it's not affecting me, but until yeah. I took it out where I was like, well, okay, maybe it is affecting me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one that I'm always working on my relationship with coffee too. I'm like, okay, I got this. So it's out I'm, or doing like a cup and then it somehow creeps up again, but with coffee, it can um, stimulate cortisol. So it can play into that uh, stress response in the body. And so we do want to be mindful of the amount. And so, and also some people are metabolize coffee or caffeine differently than others. So that's the person who can drink coffee before bed and go to sleep just fine versus somebody who drinks half a cup and is like super jittery anxious. So, um, genetically, we can have different um, things that impact our ability to metabolize caffeine. So just checking in with, you know, that, which, which one am I more? And then um, really sticking to caffeine before noon, if possible, having it with or after breakfast, because it can suppress our appetite, and we may not feel hungry, but then we can have a blood sugar spike and crash. And then can we add some protein or fat to it? I like to add sometimes um, collagen powder or some canned coconut milk. And so that'll help buffer that caffeine response. And then can we uh, mix in some lower caffeine options like a black tea or matcha or some non-caffeine options like an herbal tea or like dandelion root tea? I like that. What about the mushroom coffee? Yeah, that can be an option too. Okay. Cause that's what I, I was having. So that's why I didn't think I'd have such a strong response, but I would mix it in with regular coffee and clearly it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the different mushrooms, you know, they're, they help they're adaptogens. They help the a body adapt to stress, but if we're still having caffeine, you know, we, we can still, you know, react to it. Yeah. So, oh, so interesting. Oh, well, um, any teas though, before we go to I just keep asking one more question, one more question, <laughs> um, but teas for maybe stress um, hormones. Is there any good go-to teas that you recommend? Yeah, I really like holy basil tea. It's a good one for the evening. Um, there are a lot of good blends. I really like the brand traditional medicinals. Um, they have a, a nighttime tea. I think Trader Joe's also has a nighttime tea, something like a chamomile. You don't want to do something with caffeine in it. Um, but holy basil is a good one that I really like, um, chamomile sometimes, and some people may do well with, uh, valerian root if they are having sleep issues, trouble falling asleep. That's another one to consider. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you again so much for coming on Krista. Um, I would love for people to connect with you. So how can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram at composed nutrition. And you can also find me on my website at composednutrition.com. 
Perfect. And then I always like to have, um, end with a weekly challenge. And then when I have mm-hmm. a guest on, I have you throw out a weekly challenge to everyone. Yes. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Yeah, I think um, cre- starting to think about creating your stress toolbox. And it's one exercise that I like to do is, you know, make a list of how am I managing my stress right now? And it could be things that, you know, are healthy or maybe not as healthy coping mechanisms, doesn't really matter, but just checking in with how am I managing my stress right now? And what are some things that I want to incorporate to manage my stress better? I love that. I love that. Oh, thank you again, Krista, for coming on um, and definitely go check out her work. I love all of the things that she posts and shares over on Instagram. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.